Side left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace, Millard, Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Everybody okay? That was a bit of an off night last night, and it's uh, one of those ones that, quite frankly... Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have to deal with very often, but uh, I just want to check in and see if everybody's all right today. So let's go around the room. Chapman. I'm fine. Don't sound fine. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... You you got on me the other day for saying about the Kraken. I'm not going to jump to conclusions over one game, so... uh, Okay. Yeah, it's one game. Wallace? Yeah, I'm good, man. Like, I'm okay. You sound down. No, I'm tired. Uh, tired is is the real thing happening with me right now. But uh, the I mean, post game show was pretty good. Like no real overreactions there. No, but you got a lot calls. of calls. A lot yeah, of interaction. Like, interaction was good, and I think a lot of it was just centered around the idea that you know these types of games happen. Uh, ideally, it doesn't happen game number two of the year. But uh, yeah, it's not time to overreact to anything. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of knew something was up yesterday. Because uh, I had to jump off our show to go on the <laughs> to prepare for the TV show, and there were some technical uh, gremlins working in and around our truck in LA, and yeah. the studio in Denver uh, couldn't hear Dave and Shane. Oh, that 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 was a problem. So I jumped off our show yesterday, yeah, to do a last minute uh, cram because Elliot and I thought we were going to have to call the game from Studio Thirty One. Nice. And the whole time that we did our pregame show, uh, and then we we did Dave and Shane's portion of the pregame show, we thought we were going to have to call the game. And it was like, uh, you're trying to do your job, but you're also trying to uh, make some last-minute notes on, on the L.A. Kings. <laughs> Fortunately, I do the lines every game anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. We, were, we were in that uh, function. but And th- that just kind of spilled over. So I just, I'm just going to chalk it up to a gremlin-y day uh, mm-hmm. in and around – our sphere of the Vegas Golden Knights. Just so we're clear, there's now gremlins who are hanging out with the ghosts. Gre- the gremlins do make uh, a very, uh, just a, a frequent visit to television yeah. trucks. Okay, let's just go. Uh, let's go down that path. As somebody that deals quite a bit in uh, in radio broadcasting equipment and things that are supposed to work when they when the, are supposed to work yeah. and things that work all the time until they don't at the worst possible time. Uh, yeah, I, I think I believe in gremlins more than I believe in ghosts. So I'll allow it. Well, the gremlins were there last night, and, yeah. then, and then the gremlins, when they got done with our TV truck, just went over to the Golden Knights. <laughs> that's, that's how I explain all of this. It just comes down... To gremlins oh doing their thing. Now we'll spray and we'll uh, air everything out and we're going to get rid of all the gremlins and we'll be right back to it 
on Wednesday. Fortunately, we've got some time uh, to go through it. But uh, we'll get into what happened last night. We'll give our ratings with our new rating scale. Uh, we've got some one-timers coming up. Big contracts signed uh, by the Boston Bruins and Charlie McAvoy today. We'll dive into that and compare some of the AAVs and the structures of the contracts and and just teach everybody uh, a little bit about uh, what some of these contracts, while they can look similar, uh, why they're different and why it takes some guys a little bit longer to ink those long-term deals, even though on the face of it, it'll exactly the same and they're the same type of player why, why did it take so long uh, we'll get into that uh, in a little bit plus the Henderson Silver Knights launch season number two tonight at the Orleans Arena uh, and they will uh, go against the Colorado Eagles and we will be joined by the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights and our good friend uh, Brian McCormack in uh, just a little bit so uh, a lot going on in the program today uh, let's uh, dive into last night and just a little bit of analysis regarding what actually did go down. And we're, I think we're all in agreement where it's an anomaly. And we're yeah, going to I mean, push it aside. I, I think so. Now, it, it's always interesting, right? Because whenever you have games like this in the middle of the season, you know, oftentimes you'll hear coaches just say, you put the game behind you, you burn the tape, and you just focus on getting ready for the next one. But I think in this situation for the Golden Knights, this is going to be something that – is a teachable moment, I think, for Pete DeBoer. Like, I don't think tape's getting burned. I think there's going to be a lot of focus and a lot of emphasis on that game against L.A. over the next couple of days to get the Golden Knights ready to go for St. Louis on Wednesday. So what did you see as the big issue last night? I I just I didn't feel like they were very connected, right? Like, I didn't think they were connected as a five-man unit in their own zone, through the neutral zone, in the offensive zone. Uh, it just seemed like they didn't handle the forechecking pressure of the L.A. Kings well. Uh, so there there weren't many opportunities for the Golden Knights to just kind of get back to pucks, get them out of their zone, and then transition to offense. And, you know, you got to give a lot of credit, I think, to, to the L.A. Kings. They worked really, really hard, and they were essentially beating Vegas to every loose puck in every 50-50 battle. It seemed to go L.A.'s way. If you took the sweaters off the players and then had them play in neutral jerseys, and watch that game last night, you would have believed that that was Vegas that was in the L.A. side of it because they were faster to the puck, mm-hmm. they were causing turnovers, and they were great in transition. What you saw was uh, a very effective game by the L.A. Kings using the style that we're used to witnessing out of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. I agree with that. And then you get into the the meat and potatoes of what Pete DeBoer will be disappointed in. And that's just not being sharp and not being uh, energetic, working, and, and being out-muscled uh, to the puck. And that, that's stuff that you can control whether you're on your game or not. It's mm-hmm. yeah. it, it and you you aren't going to have it every night. I mean these players, what they what they go through. It's it's really tough, but it's game two, so you'd expect a little bit more. The the working part and uh, and just being uh, the attention to detail, that will be what uh, what gets under Pete DeBoer's skin. The caveat here, and it's by no means an excuse, but it is something that you have to acknowledge. 
The Vegas Golden Knights have five forwards out of the lineup, five NHL forwards out of the lineup. And then they lost Mark Stone halfway through the game. So now you're down to uh, 11 forwards. That's five, now six, that's two lines. I went through this with Darren Elliott last night. I asked him, how many players on the line? <laughs> three. There's three, yep. They're missing five forwards going in. Okay. That's almost two lines. I double-checked sure. it. And, yeah. and nothing against Lysitian uh, or Rombierg, and because I, I love them, and I, I love the fact that they, they were called up to play their first NHL game. Krebs, it was his seventh NHL game. He had, he had the most experience. He had seven times more experience than the other guys <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, on, on that fourth line. And, and the third line is still, is still meshing together. I, it's not, again, I'm not saying that the Vegas Golden Knights lost because of that, because there's, when you're an elite team and they still had their top two lines, uh, they should have been better. They had their full complement of blue liners. They should have been better. Uh, the goaltender was the number one goaltender. Should have been better. But I think it's something that you do have to keep in mind that that even an elite team, when you're missing two lines, can be vulnerable at points of the National Hockey League season. Well, the the big thing with Vegas in the offseason was to improve depth, right? Yeah. Like you wanted to have more depth down the lineup. And, you know, when when that depth is severely, severely hindered because of injuries that you pick up through the preseason – um, it becomes difficult to to kind of see what that vision is because you don't have those players available to you. And, you know, for me, how much different does that game look with Nick Waugh in the lineup or Will Carrier in the lineup or Brett Howden if he's healthy in the lineup? Uh, we'll never know, but I, I think that it, you you can't necessarily judge this team right now based on on where their depth is because they just don't have those players available. You just don't have the ability to ice the lineup. I think you envisioned icing in the offseason. The uh now that I've I gave you the caveat, mm -hmm. the the Anze Kopitar, Dustin Brown, uh Victor Arbitson line was dominant. Yeah. And, yeah, good. and that line was played head to head with the big line. Yeah. So it, it there was there was points. I mean, there was adjustments that the coach could have made uh, during the game had he had a full lineup and, and um, avenues that uh, that Vegas could have went if they would have had a, a full line. But you're you're definitely not putting the kids against uh, Kopitar's line or anything to, to that effect. Uh, but that that was an, a dominant effort by the L.A. Kings. And sometimes you tip your cap, you you, you uh, give them a stick tap, but they basically beat Vegas uh, top line to top line last night. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I gave you some reasons to be uh, conscious of, but when it comes right down to it, L.A. was a great performance last night with their top players leading the way. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really good performance from the L.A. Kings. And much like I'm not going to overreact to one game for the Golden Knights, I'm not going to sit here and overreact to one game from the L.A. Kings where, you know, they, they did. They had some speed to their game. They had a lot of pressure in their game. And, you know, you got those types of performances you're hoping to get, I think, out of Kopitar, out of Dustin Brown, Alex Iafalo, uh 
Vladimir Kachev, like that's a player that was noticeable up in Salt Lake City. He was noticeable again last night for L.A. Uh, but really for me, like the big storyline for the Kings this year and uh, one that I think is kind of in the background, but one that could lend itself well to Kings fans and this team that, that wants to take a step. Drew Doughty. It's a four-point night for Drew. I thought he was really, really good. And to me, they it was a statement. Game. Yeah, I, he he did, and it was a statement to, um, it, to just you know saying flat out, I belong on Team Canada. I want to go to the Olympics, and if you have Drew Doughty playing like this all year long, uh, the Kings are going to be a hard out every single time. They've played Vegas tough the last couple of years, so you know you've got a team I think that that pushes a little bit, and that's a good thing for Vegas. Uh, Cal Peterson was was good. Uh, Darren Elliott thought he was vulnerable in the first period. Uh, some yeah. rebounds kicked out. He wasn't square yeah. a couple of times. And and maybe Vegas let him off the hook a little bit by not being able to get to him uh, in the, in that first period more than once. The, 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 the first goal by L.A. kind of summed up the whole night. Kopitar down low, beats uh, to the puck and holds off two Vegas defensemen, two mm-hmm. veteran defensemen, and they get to the point and they, and they get a, a point shot that, uh, that redirects in. Like, that, that, was, that was huge. Uh, yeah. And and just the optics of it, everything uh, around it, uh, said a lot about how the night was going to go uh, for the Golden Knights. And then you had the injury to to Mark Stone. Uh, you heard Pete DeBoer after uh, his explanation uh, for the captain. Everybody held their breath when when uh, Mark Stone took the shot and then sort of slumped over the boards uh, at his uh, at his own bench and. There was worries. I mean, I don't think that we were the only ones having a text conversation uh, at the time. And yeah. I think it's uh, we we don't know anymore today because team had to head a day off. But uh, is are you uh, more encouraged than when you first saw the incident? Uh, I I don't know. Like I I don't generally try to read too much into the the post-game update when it comes to an injury, right? Because oftentimes we are conditioned to ask the question, understanding we're not going to get too much in, in terms of information, and then the real update comes later on, the next day or two days later, whatever the case, after evaluation. So I, I was encouraged, I guess, uh, but I'm really awaiting information as, as we see it, as we get it tomorrow, to, to see what the status is for Mark Stone. How did Pete put it last night after the game? He said he locked up. Right. Something locked up on him. So locked up, that's different than... So my fear is you hear uh, hear something pop. Or, yeah, exactly. You know, something like that. Locked up is a different phrase. Sure. And the, and again, I do read into things and, and try to <laughs> try and... I hate speculating. Yeah. I'm not going to speculate on what I saw with the injury. That's broadcaster 101. Don't do that because you're going to get into trouble. If you want to reach out to a medical official and cite them, that's different. Uh, they can analyze. But even then, it's it's tough for them to to really get into it. But when you go off language, uh, and Pete DeBoer, I've come to really appreciate, doesn't spend a word without really pondering its effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And... Locked up is different than anything else he could have used. And uh, I think we've heard different things in the past where it's going to be, we're going to run some tests. We don't know. 
Uh, we'll wait and we'll look at it again and we'll give you an update later. Or uh, it's going to be a long-term thing. Or it looks like he's going to be out a while. Uh, that We didn't get some of that. We got locked up. I'll take, at this point, given what I saw <laughs> at the time, I will take locked up all day long. Yeah, it didn't look good. Uh, no. The initial... The initial optics of of what happened with Mark Stone looked really really bad so uh, yeah I mean after the game locked up it's it's probably a, a better case scenario than what you're thinking but again for me um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to, to really focus too much on it until we hear because you know the fact of the matter is for the Golden Knights like you have a couple of days off here if if it's a possibility to have Mark Stone back and and ready to go and able to play on Wednesday, then I think the Golden Knights certainly dodge a bullet out of that game. And, you know, it, it, it turns that game, I think, a little bit, the narrative a little bit, because as bad as the play was on the ice, the prospect of having a game that bad and losing your captain right. for an extended period of time, that's just insult to injury. Uh, they play one game in, in a week. Yeah. From the, from the Mark Stone injury. If there's no better time for for a lockup to happen, sure. uh, to be able to get some treatment and and then uh, rehabilitate and get back uh, into the lineup, so that's that's positive. The result, not. Um, I am not really curious as much as uh, I'm wondering whether it's going to be a unanimous vote today, as we get right into uh, the first time that we that we go down the path. <laughs> did you hear Robin Leonard last night uh, in his post game comments? I did. Yeah. What do yeah. you think? thought it was honest um yeah. you know i i thought it just kind of flat out saying it's it's the worst game he's seen since he's been here i, I think that's an accurate statement I, I really do um and and i appreciate that in in a loss right like i appreciate there there being some honesty there in you know we didn't play we didn't play the way that we should we we didn't do the things we needed to do to to be competitive in the game and uh you know i thought his him saying that you know it's it's not concerning, but it should be a red flag. It it gives me an an idea of what where the mindset is with this team, that there's confidence, right? Like they know what they can do, they know how good they are, but they're gonna have to really dig in here. And you know, they're they're a team that everyone has on their bulletin board ready to give their best. And for the Golden Knights, that can be draining. It can be hard to be that team that everybody gets up for, but if you're going to be a competitor, if you're going to be a Stanley Cup, um, you know, contender, those are the types of things you got to play through every single night. I think it was it was shocking to see it get away from them so fast and yeah. in in such at times self induced uh, disaster and consequences come out of it. That was that was probably more of a surprise. I don't think Robin Leonard's wrong that that was the the worst performance since he's been here. Yeah, I, I don't think so at all. He's right he's... on the money with that. Uh, I like. I also don't think it was necessarily his fault. Goalies can make saves. Goalies should make saves. Goalies are made to make the big saves. And sure. and if is it too much to ask for him to keep them in that game last night? Yeah, probably. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's happened where goaltenders have uh, have had lights out games, but uh, that is not one that I'm pinning on the goaltender. I don't. I don't think uh, uh, that he's necessarily been outplayed by the other guy in either game. 
uh, even though he got yanked last night and uh, was the victor uh, in game number one against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, that uh, that hasn't been the issue. It's just been uh, sharpness, which is is a little surprising given how the team uh, got a, a full training camp. You'd think that they would be a little bit sharper, even with uh, the, the the depth challenge. I mean, the game one, they had three nothing lead and gave up three consecutive goals. Uh, mm-hmm. Game two, uh, they have one nothing lead and they gave up six consecutive goals. That's that's unusual for this team to let games uh, turn around and the other team to not just take over the game but but convert in those opportunities. Uh, that that might be where the red flag that that Robin talks about uh, seeing is uh, that phrase is coming from. Yeah, I mean, I think so far in the first two games of the year, the Golden Knights have been a bit uncharacteristic, right? And, you know, you 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 look at those moments. You look at how this team in the past has been so, so good at halting another team's momentum or recognizing the game is kind of there in the balance and then taking it over. So I, I think that, again, this is a an interesting point for the Golden Knights in this five-day break to just – really really hone in on a lot of the different things that make this team the golden knights right like you got to get back to outworking your opponent every single time you're on the ice uh don't give away anything for free and you you mentioned darren like self-inflicted issues uh turnovers that are uncharacteristic that go the other way and end up in the back of the net the golden knights can clean a lot of that up and it'll be fine but they they are forced with having to look at that just two games in, and I think that's a lot earlier than a lot of people expected. Yeah, I asked you yesterday, when do you start drawing conclusions? Uh, not now. Uh, even <laughs> even after a disappointing performance, not now, uh, folks. Uh, I was interested, uh, one of your callers last night as I was listening uh, brought yep. up Jack Eichel, and yep. in the back of my mind, I was wondering whether we would get some of that today. Uh, yeah. You got it last night, and I thought you you put it very well. Oh, because it was in relation to to Mark Stone going out and the and the idea of uh, of we don't know what it is, but if it's if it's not good, you got to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And I thought you phrased it uh, perfectly uh, to to the caller about why it didn't make sense. Well, yeah, I mean the 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 idea was okay if Mark Stone's out and you are looking at Jack Eichel to be. The, the savior here, you're, you're dealing with a player that's not going to be ready for six months. So you're trading something away for an asset that's going to come back that isn't going to play for you. Yeah. And while it's nice to just say, okay, we can give prospects and futures, the fact of the matter is the Buffalo Sabres are going to have $10 million coming off LTIR. Like they're going to have to get some roster players back in return. So, you know, for the Golden Knights, with Alex Tuck out, with Mark Stone uh, kind of unknown what that status is going to be over the next little while, and with a player that you'd be trading for that won't play for four to six months, um, and then subtracting, and the caller brought up William Carlson or Riley Smith, someone like that, that just guts the Golden Knights. Like, who who do you have to play for you then? Like, at what point do you say, like, that's not going to make this team that's a prohibitive favorite for the Stanley Cup any better it's going to make them worse and that's not the end goal if you're going to make a trade for Jack Eichel it has to be a trade that makes you better in the long run but doesn't take away from what you can do 
right now in this season. In the short term. So thank you yeah. for doing that. Uh, I appreciated it last night. You just quelling that whole conversation and, and putting it down. But uh, people, people want the Jack Eichel thing. Uh, everybody <laughs> wants Jack Eichel, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. But you're also on the short term. You're not getting anything. You're not getting Jack Eichel, even if you acquire Jack Eichel. Exactly. Uh, so you got to keep uh, that in mind. I, I was going through the scores last night as this was all going down. And you're kind of, what is going on here? And then you you check out the out-of-town scoreboard, and you see it's uh, 8-2, and, 6-3, And some of those scores, like the Senators beat the Leafs. The Sabres clobbered the Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, the Hurricanes double up the Islanders. The Blue Jackets hung one all over the Coyotes. And the Tampa Bay Lightning were down 6-3, to the Detroit Red Wings and rallied to win 7-6. It was a weird night all the way around. And early season NHL hockey is fun NHL hockey. It's also the most unpredictable NHL hockey. And you saw that including the 6-2 score with the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it it was actually really funny. I was I was just kind of preparing my notes before the Golden Knights and the LA Kings dropped the puck and I, I had written down my, my out of town scoreboard update and I had the, the Red Wings up six to three on Tampa and I'm like, Oh, okay, that's in the third period. It's late in the third period. That's gonna be a final. And then I turn back about five minutes later and I see that it is a final seven six for Tampa Bay. So yeah. that's a rough one for Detroit, man. My goodness. It uh it was it was weird. And then the Panthers and the Penguins play a shootout in five four. Uh it it's it's fun, man. It's it's good. And if we get a little bit of that, uh it uh, makes it uh, a lot more interesting. It certainly helps uh, the the conversations out, but uh, I mean you had you had some big performances last night and the early season scoring race is is wild. I mean, Kopitar and Hedman, both with five points, and Steven Stamkos, five points. Now, Stamkos and Hedman have played, played a couple of games. Tyler Bertuzzi with four goals. Yeah, it's it's wild. Like, my favorite part of the, the first week and a half to two weeks of the season is when you have a bunch of different guys that are leading the league in scoring, and you're like, oh, okay, I, I, I don't think this is going to hold. This is a mirage. Okay, this guy might be coming out of nowhere, but like, I'll tell you the the five point night for Andre Kopitar, the hat trick, two assists, like, that's one of those performances where, you know, when you when you look at Andre through his career, there are games within a year that kind of give you an indication of what you think you're going to get out of him all year. Um, I think this might be a year for Andre Kopitar to really go after and and put you know put some numbers up. I really do. Because with a little bit less responsibility defensively because you bring in Phil Deneau, I think it opens things up for Andre Kopitar to just go out there and try to score. That's what Pete DeBoer talked about. They, they've taken away some heavy minutes from him yeah. and given Phil Deneau some of that responsibility. And uh, then you've also handed him a, a former 30-goal scorer yeah. in Victor Arvidsson. Uh, that's the most amazing thing. How did Arvidsson come out of that game with only one point? It doesn't seem right, does it? Doesn't at all uh, on, on that side of it. But uh, we'll 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 keep track of uh, this thing. Uh, again, f- three players with five points in the first uh, couple of days of the NHL season. We've got Tyler Bertuzzi with a four goal game, uh, a hat trick from from Kopitar, 
And also big performances from the likes of Stamkos and Alexander Ovechkin, former Rocket Richard Trophy winners. We also have a first-ever victory to chat about. Uh, We'll get into that, plus our rating scale. And on the way, Brian McCormack from the Henderson Silver Knights will stop by on the VGK Insider Show. It's their opening night, part two. We'll get into what's going to happen at Orleans Arena as we continue on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. It's the number one source for hockey talk in the Las Vegas Valley. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, Golden Knights, a one-on-one start to the season. Back at it on Wednesday, next Wednesday against the St. Louis Blues. And we have a couple of sets of tickets to give away. We will do that uh, later on in this segment. And we'll get our next guest to uh, give us a number for the caller that will win those tickets. And then we'll give away a second set in our number two as we slide over to the Henderson Silver Knights side. Uh, The little brother of the Vegas Golden Knights will play its season opener tonight. First season opener with a crowd. And Brian McCormack, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights at Lotus Broadcasting is on with us uh, from Arlene's Arena. You got uh, something planned tonight? Like, will a big uh, big eagle come out of the ice like the Kraken did at T-Mobile this week and be felled by Lucky? Well, Darren, the eagle is a protected species, so well, we, that you can't do anything high, like that. Kind of ties your hands up a little bit, doesn't it? I think it does. Yeah. I, I mean. Like if we were playing the Rockford Ice Hogs first, we could have done some sort of routine with breakfast meats. It could have been really, really sharp, but we'll make do. Um, no, it's going to be a great atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know uh, Chandler Blanchard, the director of Game Ops uh, or Game Presentation for the Silver Knights, has been working on this one for a while. Uh, of course, there's a VGK standard to to try to meet. Uh, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun, but I haven't seen that much. I, I know that they've been working, but I haven't seen the uh, the, the choreography of it yet, so I'm going to be just as uh, surprised as everyone else is. Unbelievably, it's the first game of the season for the Henderson Silver Knights, and I don't know whether there's another AHL team in the league that will have four guys that played the National Hockey League this season uh, in your lineup. A pretty quick turnaround for a couple of them, too. Jake LeCision and uh, Jonas Ronbjerg right back in the mix for the HSK. Uh, Jonas Ronbjerg spoke a little bit this morning, and and basically he's very soft-spoken to begin with, but kind of just had like a a sheepish, shy grin to him. But uh, just that it was good experience and obviously a faster pace. I'm actually curious what that'll do for him in, in a short time frame tonight. Because we always talk about players going from the AHL to the NHL, and it's faster and bigger and stronger and the adjustments. We don't usually get to have the conversation of when night after night someone comes from the NHL down to the AHL. I said, is everything going to be really slow for you tonight? And he said, no, absolutely not one bit. But uh, you're absolutely right. It's It's been a bit of a, an injury bugaboo for the VGK and the HSK in the early going, but... Uh, that opens up opportunities, and it's given players a chance to show what uh, they can do on Pete DeBoer's bench. Uh, and it's going to give players uh, here in, in Henderson opportunity to show their stuff with players like Lyndon McCallum and uh, Tyler Bush, guys that were hoping to make the lineup out of camp. Uh, Blake Siebenhaller, now they're on the roster, and, and they're going to get minutes. So uh, every, it's an October of opportunities in the Vegas Valley. 
October of opportunities. Uh, that's well put as we chat with Brian McCormack, voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, Lotus Broadcasting, as he gets set to call the season opener against the Colorado Eagles. The first season opener with fans, second go-around for the Henderson Silver Knights here on the VGK Insider Show, chatting about a big opening night, Ryan. So October of op opportunities, there's a, a player that I think made uh, the most of his opportunities in the preseason, that's Daniil Miramanoff. And, you know, just obviously I think there's going to be a lot of focus on Daniil and his progression this year. Uh, the biggest areas of, of focus, I think, are going to be not the, the offensive touch. We know he has that, but really how he's able to defend in his own zone and that layer that needs to be added to his game. Yeah, and, and I think what's going to be interesting to see is a large sample size of Daniil Miramanov. You know, he came late last season, played very well. We saw a spurt in the preseason on the VGK side where certainly it doesn't put, uh, I don't want to put his numbers into context because they were great numbers and he played very well. But, you know, there's, I wonder if there's an adrenaline or seize the moment that comes with that. What's he going to look like over the course of 68 games? You know, when you're not scoring three goals in four games, which is a defenseman, most of the time he won't be. You know, not only the defensive side of the game, but also are you consistently impactfully good in the dog days of February, the games on a Tuesday night that aren't uh, headline affairs, you know, that, that's going to be the interesting thing to learn. Uh, and I expect he'll be good because he's a guy who loves playing hockey and he has a lot of fun. And he, he's the kind of guy, a defenseman who wants the puck on his stick and wants to create, which is exciting. Um, and I'm curious to see 68 games of it versus 15. We've seen small sample sizes and they've been tremendous. Uh, can he do more with a larger sample size? That'll be the interesting thing to learn. I'm sure it's what the VGK staff wants to see as well. Are you surprised at all that Peyton Krebs uh, does the quick turnaround as well and uh, is going to go tonight? You know, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I, I think a lot of people during the preseason thought it was a, a palatable option, and then he put up four points against the Avalanche, and we kind of, again, in a vacuum, like, there it is. And, you know, he's got the offensive skill and the offensive ability, but Kelly McCrimmon always sounded like he was comfortable with Peyton Krebs coming down to Henderson if he had to for however long he had to. So, uh, you know, we'll see for Peyton Krebs what he can do at the AHL level. He was so good last year in five games at the AHL level and then so great in the Western Hockey League, you almost automatically in your mind check a box and say, okay, he's graduated to the next level up. You know, the American Hockey League being the second best league in the world, it's not a bad place to learn and get your feet wet if you're trying to get acclimated to the professional game. So, you know, maybe this is one day, maybe it's one week, maybe it's longer. I have no idea. But I do know that Peyton Krebs can be, uh, you know, a, a, a dominant factor at the AHL level with his skill set. Uh, I do think it would behoove him to be so. And again, talking about some of the injury issues we've talked about, uh, the HSK could absolutely need, you know, use him. They need him down here. So it's, it's good to put him in a, in a setting where he's going to be a go-to guy and, and have an opportunity to, to flourish a little bit at the professional level, at, at any professional level. And he probably wouldn't be there tonight if the Golden Knights had a more traditional schedule, like playing mm. Saturday or, or Sunday. But there's five days between the next National Hockey League game. Yeah. So this is this this is this works, and and the beauty again of the geography of the valley that yeah. the Silver Knights being here now is you can play hopscotch back and forth across town, uh, and uh, again for for Peyton Krebs, in these five days he could have sat around, well not sat around, practiced and not gotten game action, or send him down here. Maybe he has a great week, and maybe that's a shot in the arm of confidence. So, you know, I think it was available. It's 
behooves him to be playing games and, and playing at a high level uh, and see what you get from it. You know, you know, not every day needs to be a, uh, a catch-all judgment on the next week or month ahead. Let tonight be what it is. And, you know, every day Peyton Krebs is making his case to be an everyday NHLer. That case gets made down here just as much as it does when he's playing a T-Mobile. We do follow the philosophy around here that every segment is a catchment of judgment. And so <laughs> far, uh, this is uh, this is going very well. Brian McCormick joins us uh, at the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights on the VGK Insider Show. Yeah, it, it, you know, the, the interesting thing with you know the, the way the season started, Pavel Dorofayev gets an opportunity, plays a game, four-ish minutes, not exactly the, the, the type of debut that you, you'd want to have if you kind of draw it up in your mind. But with, with Dorafiev back with the Henderson Silver Knights, in terms of his progression this year, the the key points that you're looking for at, 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 to, to assess whether or not his game is progressing and adding layers to get him NHL ready. I, I think there's also benefit, even just the, the four-plus minutes he played the other night, just being there. And just being in that environment and, you know, for a kid his age, it's okay to make it as uh, base an observation as to say it's just really cool. There's value in that too. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, the, a kid at his age who comes across to North America from Russia, uh, he's adapted very well to it. He's played well. His dynamic skill set has translated just fine to the North American ice at the HSK level. Um, but it's probably also a good shot in the arm for him, too, to say, hey, I got an NHL game. Now I can relax. I did it. I know I'm worthy of it. I know they're thinking of me. Now, you know, if it doesn't happen again for a couple of months, I'm doing my job here. I'm working hard. That's okay. You know, I've seen some players from Europe before. They come over. They have expectations of the NHL. It doesn't happen for a little bit. And then they can get a little bit discouraged. And that has not been Pavel Dorofiev's personality. But I do think there's value in, hey, he came over here to realize an NHL dream. He's gotten a taste of it, and it's probably going to take a little bit of pressure off of him that now he could just play hockey. And if it happens again, great. Otherwise, he wants to be a leading scorer in Henderson. And, uh, th again, that'll only help his case to, for the phone to ring again. Yeah, There's a few guys right now that you look at and go have, have made strides through mm -hmm. training camp and then into this first week of the National Hockey League season. Uh, Jake Lasician uh, makes his NHL debut. He's got better every year as a professional. Uh, Dorofayev uh, is, is in the lineup. Uh, and then Paul Cotter uh, is a player that got that extra game uh, in the preseason because of a, a splendid performance and caught the coach's eyes. I'm curious because he's got speed. He he can play uh, a, a real depth role, or he can he can put the puck in the net uh, a little bit. Paul Cotter is a player that I'm going to be watching all year with the Henderson Silver Knights to see how much he takes that confidence from the Vegas Golden Knights training camp and puts himself into position to be a call up with a big club. I think it's an important year for him in terms of a, uh, a a show me year, and not in a he's you know under pressure to prove anything. Not at mm. all. I think for some players, some come in and immediately everything just clicks. And if they're a scorer in college or junior, and they're a scorer in the AHL, it just happens, and they're off and running. Other players are, okay, I was a skill guy in college, but it behooves me more so here to be a grinder and a physical player. But you don't want to completely sacrifice what you were the first 20 years of your life that got you drafted in the first place. So I think Paul Cotter, always a skill guy, always a hands guy, but he was a bottom six guy his first year. The first year was, okay, let's become part of the pro game and find out where I fit. Last year, 
a step forward, showed a little bit more offense, showed a little bit more on the puck, and was a little bit more involved offensively, a little more confidence to drive play. This year, I think for him is the, okay, I know I can handle AHL hockey. I've known that for a year and a half, if not two. And now there's opportunity for me. This team needs more scoring, especially with uh, some of the, the bumps and bruises that they have heading into the season. I think this is where Paul Cotter looks like a guy who's a three-year pro and not a guy who's trying to prove he can be more than a, a checking forward. I think, that, and I think we saw that in the preseason. He was excited on the puck. He was jumping up in the play. He was assertive. That's what we saw the second half of a shortened year last year. Uh, I'm interested to see Paul Cotter have the opportunity to, uh, to push himself further into the conversation as opposed to a guy who's doing his job. I think he can do more than that. Is there somebody slapping the puck around in the background? Uh, there is not. Hmm. That is completely, <laughs> I think that is the monkey playing cymbals between your ears. Oh, I thought I heard pucks going off the boards uh, behind you. It's uh, you McCormick. know what, there's a guy with a sledgehammer. That's probably oh. what you're hearing. Oh. <laughs> sledgehammer, puck. Very similar. Yeah. Very no, I, I, I'm going to spend the time off between VGK games and uh, get some wax cleaned out, too. Uh, that, yeah, that's my goal. Uh, Brian McCormick's with us at the VGK Insider Show at Fox Sports Las Vegas. So, Brian, like when you look at Caden Korzak and kind of this year, what what is this year in in Henderson supposed to be or should it be for Caden Korzak and his game? I think we should acknowledge that. I said there's a guy walking around here with a sledgehammer, and you just accepted it. Like, <laughs> yeah. What's well, he I, doing with it? Don't worry it's, about it. It's Vegas. Listen, it's Vegas. <laughs> I, I yeah. know better than to ask questions. Come on. Uh, you know, Caden Korzak, I, I think he had one of the best compliments paid to him during VGK training camp when Pete DeBoer essentially said, well, you can see him. He's an NHL defenseman. It's just a matter of, of when, not if. Um, last year, he had a very, a very similar trajectory path of uh, season that that Peyton Krebs had which was start in the AHL go back to junior come back to the AHL again and that kind of helter-skelter schedule uh, he handled it extraordinarily well there's maturity there and and there's a little bit of swagger which is I, I think it's more important on the back end a young defenseman who's got size got strength that little bit of well-placed arrogance I think is almost more important than someone up front but already you've seen early this season composure. Uh, and for a guy his size, they grow up really quickly, right? They go from being kind of a, a scraggly-looking teenager to like, okay, no, now he looks like a six-foot-three man who could knock me down. Uh, we've already seen in a few short months a little bit of growth that he looks, uh, he looks like an adult now. So I'll be interested to see this year in offensive situations because we talk about him so much as a two-way guy, but he's had power play skill his whole life. Uh, and he'll get a chance to do that, I think, in, in Henderson. Um, I'm curious to see how he how he imposes himself. Uh, and I don't think it's going to take very long for him to, to start asserting himself that way. Uh, before we uh, let you go, do you still have three goalies going? Not tonight, all at one time, but uh, three goalies in camp. There are three goalies in camp. I think the expectation tonight, uh, just from what I saw this morning, is I think it's going to be Logan Thompson. Uh, I don't know if it'll be Dylan Ferguson or Yuri Patera with him, but... Uh, we do have all three in camp, uh, and what a stark difference. If you think back to the start of last season, Darren, we talked about this like on the first uh, HSK TV broadcast. You had three goaltenders who had never held the mantle of an everyday AHL starter, and you didn't know if goaltending was going to be a strength or a struggle. And you know, a less than a calendar year later, you've got the same three. 
and is so overwhelmingly a strength, uh, a strong point for this roster. Uh, we learned a lot in one year. And they're going to need that strength uh, because the leader is uh, not going to be with the team tonight. Uh, what can you tell us about Manny Bibros, the head coach? Yeah, so for Manny, it was announced by the uh, Silver Knights today that he's uh, taking a uh, non-COVID-related medical leave from the team. Uh, there, there's not much more information than that, uh, and I'm sure when there is something to know that there will be more uh, information provided. But, uh, you know, just I know for everyone on the team, just uh, supportive of Manny, and, and hopefully he can take care of whatever he needs to get taken care of because uh, the the rink is a brighter place when Manny's around. Uh, and I'm telling you that the players in that locker room love Manny Viveros uh, as a coach, as a mentor, and, and, and frankly, as a friend. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll see when there's more to, to know. I'm sure we will. But for now, it's uh, support for Manny. Uh, hopefully that he's uh, able to get back behind the bench as soon as possible. Uh, in the meantime, Jamie Heward and Joel Ward, along with Fred Brathwaite and Andrew Doty, they'll, they'll have the reins. Uh, well put, because uh, every time you run across Manny Viveros, there's a big smile on his face, and he's asking you how you're doing and uh, what's up with your life. And, and then you get into the hockey talk. So uh, he's been great with us uh, from day number one since he was hired, and we wish uh, him and his family uh, all the best. And uh, we wish you the, the greatest of time tonight. Don't hurt that eagle. I will not hurt the eagle. We'll we'll keep him perched up high in the rafters. We don't want him near the net because there's going to be pucks flying in that direction all day long. Uh, broadcast, uh, time, everything. Uh, give us the deets. Yep, so it was a pre-game show on 1230 of the game. Starts at 630. Puck drop is at 7. The uh, For anyone heading down, the pre-game festivities and the intro, you're going to want to be in your seat early. I would say at least you might as well be, might as well be in your seat for warm-ups, right? Just yep. get the whole game day experience. Uh, but the game will be on the air at 7 on uh, 12.30 of the game, as we will be all year long. And is Sammy Sledgehammer doing the pregame, or is he doing the intermission show? <laughs> you know, he might have something to do with the pregame, <laughs> with, with the festivities. Again, you said, what, where are they going to do the eagle? And then the guy walking around the sledgehammer. I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to have to <laughs> hey, Ryan, get phone calls from people I never get trouble. phone calls from. <laughs> blink twice if you're in, in trouble, Brian. <laughs> blink twice. I, I have a hand in a lot of things around here, sledgehammers and uh, endangered species, not among them. You never know where it's going to go uh, when Brian McCormick uh, jumps on the program. Uh, have a great call tonight. Enjoy it uh, Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock as well uh, at Orleans Arena. Uh, appreciate it, Brian. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Have a good one. There's Brian McCormick, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, trying to land a plane in here is Chris Chapman. You, know, you talk all the time, all the time. And then when mm. you should be talking, you just wave your hands around like you, you've just ran into a, a wasp's nest or something. Well, we were... I bet I know what he's doing. What's that? I bet I know what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. We give away tickets. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought we were going to let Brian give the winner or the number. Uh, he texted me. Okay. Yeah, because he, he heard me going to break, and he texted me. I don't think that happened. But he, he did. But you could you could have jumped on and asked. No, because Instead we have. He went, no, no. We we. If you guys see the Geico commercial with Animal. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's yep. what he was just doing. We have a guest on. I'm not going to interrupt when we have the guest on. So. <laughs> uh, we are going to take caller 18 for Peyton Krebs. That's what we're going to do to win tickets to. Next Wednesday's game against the St. Louis Blues, the VGK will try to improve to 2-1 and one in that game. So there's two tickets to see the St. Louis Blues, and we have two more in our number two. But to be caller number 18 to 
876-1340. If you haven't called before, call now. 1340. And uh, we'll give you two tickets to see the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues, courtesy of the VGK Insider Show and Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rating last night's game against the Los Angeles Kings, plus three games in the National Hockey League tonight, and one-timers. It's all coming up in hour number two. Oh, and there's two more tickets to see the St. Louis Blues play the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll give those away in hour number two on Fox Sports Las Vegas.